Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, the number one best-selling author of Sensitivity is Your Superpower, uh, where we help sensitive souls harness their gifts, fulfill their purpose, and create a life of joy. And also, um, I'm the author of um, multiple other books, uh, including Navigating the Clickety-Clack, How to Stay Peace-Filled, or How to Have a Peaceful Life, um, in the space of chaos. And um, I'm really excited today because I'm actually, I'm, people don't even know this, like my assistants don't even know this, but I'm actually, I'm actually calling this the fascia awareness series because um, I have several, uh, several people that I want to share with you, my tribe that are experts in fascia. And I am totally enamored with fascia right now. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will soon know in a few moments as I uh, share the bio of my guest here, but um, why, why am I fa- fascinated and in, in, in love with fascia? Well, you know, um, I have had, as many people know, my own illnesses and issues, and I've had fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, autoimmune issues, you know, chronic inflammation, and these chronic niggly, you know, musculoskeletal issues, which prevents me from being the best figure skater I can be. And I, I understood, at least intellectually a long time ago, I'm like, wow, I wonder if I spin just to one side maybe that's not so good for my body. But then I was like, well, I don't have time to train the other side, you know? So, so then we become uneven and I've been uneven since childhood. I remember being able to do the splits one way and not the other and never in a million years thought that that would impact me down the line many, many decades later to have this unevenness in my body. So now that I'm in my, you know, mid fifties, learning to restructure my body and realizing, and for those of you that are, you know, part of my spiritual medicine, you know, group, my light warrior network, um, you've, you've already heard about me talking about um, the ascension process, the light, the energy, the information getting downloaded to us. And what's fascinating, at least my conversations with source is that this information gets um, into the water. Guess where in the fascia. So the fascia is this incredible spiritual organ, if you will, with tons of light, uh, which when restricted, not so happy. And it can cause all sorts of symptoms, including for those of us sensitive souls, swelling in weird places, uh, not edema per se, like pathological stuff, but all this uh, exclusion zone water in different areas of our body because of these fascial adhesions, our posture, which I am still working on, folks. You know, I sit a lot. You know, I bought this brand new Sally chair that's $1,500 so I could sit properly. Um, a standing desk. I mean, you know, so I want to share with you the importance of the fascia. I absolutely think it's really a cornerstone or key to our wellness and health. So I'm, I'm creating this series for us. We're calling, you know, Fascia Awareness Series. And uh, Deanna Hansen is my guest today. She's one of the first, you know, we're, I know I've had Deanna on my show before. Um, we're going to have a deeper exploration um, uh, related to her new book that she has out that you can get on Amazon. We'll tell you a little later how to get a copy of the book and check out her program. But we're going to be talking about block therapy today. One of the simplest elegant ways of restructuring and re-educating yourself and it not just about fascia and looking better yeah I mean get rid of cellulite you know all that kind of great stuff but functioning better and being more healthy all parts of you even the spirit even the mind which is very fascinating to me how restructuring your fascia uh, can shift and change with that and Deanna has a very interesting history that we'll delve into a little bit uh, right at the beginning, but she spent over 20 years and 50,000 hours diving into the fascia with her hands, teaching people, you know, a self-care system, how to use a block, which is very interesting, a wooden block to self-treat. Uh, I call it like the yin way of, of treating the fascia with the breath and um, using this block. Um, and there's young ways of doing it as well. And so I'm going to be interviewing different people on their different perspectives of the fascia um, and how they help people from that point of view. But it's so important to learn to decompress the fascia. So we're going to be talking about the today. We're going to talk about how oxygen is super important. Um, Deanna Hansen is a certified athletic therapist and the founder of Fluid Isometrics and Block Therapy. And she has a global community with um, hundreds of people that she's taught as teachers from around the world, which is super, super cool. And one of my good friends, as many of you have heard um, me talk about her, Kathy Holmeyer lives in my 
uh, local area, and she recently became uh, one of the grads in one of the levels of the university program, which is super exciting to have a local person that I can refer people to uh, that knows and understands the importance of the fascia. And of course, uh, Kathy is also an energy healer as well, as some of you already know. Uh, so that'll be exciting to have all that integrated. Uh, so without further ado, I welcome you, Deanna. Woohoo! So glad you're Thank here. Thank you so much, Karen. I am so pleased to be back on your show and to be sharing with your amazing community. Oh yeah, we are so grateful that you do what you do, and um, you know I talk a lot about the fascia these days, and so I'm really I'm really excited that you're kicking off my fascia series. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> My fashion awareness series, and uh, now there's there there are quite a few brand new folks um, to the tribe, and uh, I know that some folks are like, oh, can I call in and ask a question? The answer is yes, you may. We're gonna be, uh, um, you know, unmuting people. Uh, if so, if you have a question as we go along, what I want you to do, folks, is if you're live on the call, eight one eight five one four eleven ninety. Hit one, so we know your hand is up. So eight one eight five one four eleven ninety. Hit one. Or you can uh, type in the chat your questions for Deanna. And if you have a problem area, I know Deanna is not, you know, necessarily going to see you in her mind necessarily. Maybe she can do that now. But, <laughs> but, but <laughs> she can at least give you some core advice on, you know, some patterns and things like that. I know Deanna has helped me so much. Um, you've helped me so much uh, in terms of understanding my body. Like you took one look at my photos years ago and go, and you went, oh, my God, your calves. And I'm like, what? My calves? <laughs> My calves are fine. I'm like, my calves are fine. I mean, they're they're not in pain at all. And you're like, no, 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 no. They're really, really restricted. I'm like, they are? You know, and I started blocking my calves and went, ah, oh! yep, she was right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still working on that piece, but it's, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. So maybe, Deanna, you can share with us. We know you're an athletic uh, therapist. So how did you kind of become the founder of the Black Therapy and Fluid Isometrics, what was your journey to get you here? So my journey began 21 years ago. And actually, I'm even going to say it began before that, because it was mm. really the state that I was in in that moment that was the seed. So backing up a little bit, in my late teens and my 20s, I, I really lost my way. Prior to that, I was, I was an athlete. I was a provincial volleyball player, a Highland dancer. I excelled in academics. And then I ended up diving in way too much to the <laughs> negative aspects of drinking heavily. So through mm. my 20s, I, I really spiraled into some dark, dark places. And at the age of 30, I decided that it was time to make some serious changes in my life. So I quit drinking. Now, having said that, even though I was struggling with that aspect of my life, I was still able to get through my university career. And I also had a very healthy practice as an athletic therapist where I basically focused on deep tissue work. So as much as I had a healthy practice, I personally didn't have a healthy body, partly from the drinking, but also from doing what I was taught to do from a perspective of working out and dieting. And the harder that I was working, the bigger I was getting, the more anxiety, the more constipated, the chronic pains were increasing. So by the time I turned 30, my body was in complete disarray. So quitting drinking was a wonderful step. However, what that did was it really created a lot of anxiety attacks for me because now I was having to actually deal with my life from a perspective of being sober. I wasn't running and hiding away from all of the negative choices I'd made. So it was this one particular anxiety attack that became the seed of, of this whole system and program because in that moment, I actually thought I was going to die. I literally mm. couldn't catch my breath because I was in such a state of panic. So intuitively, I dove my hand into my abdomen, and the first thing I encountered was pain, but the pain took me away from my anxiety. So in the moment, I was like, okay, um, I'm not going to die right now. I'm safe. And what led from there was me just intuitively exploring through the tissue in my belly. And what was so impactful at that time was I was aware of how it was absolutely marbled with scar tissue, even though I hadn't had any injury or surgery in that area. So suddenly I was having these aha moments thinking, no wonder when I'm coming back from a five mile run, dripping wet with sweat, my belly still feels cold. And the 50 extra pounds I was carrying were largely settled in my core. So I really mm. hated this area of my body. Never did I touch it. Never did I allow anyone else to touch it. So for me to dive in and start exploring was a, a really new experience for me. But the first evening I spent about 
30 to 45 minutes, just, you know, intuitively exploring, feeling the calmest I had felt in a very long time. I woke up the next day. I felt a little tender from the work, but throughout the day, I maintained this level of peace and calm. So very excited to go back home after my day of work and to dive back in again and to see what else I could uncover. So after another 45 minutes or so of just intuitively exploring, when I stood up, I felt really different. I felt taller. And when I went to the mirror and I looked at myself, I immediately began to cry because my belly was flatter than it had been in years from two days of simply doing what I was doing. And I mean, extreme in my nature as I am, I was doing 400 sit-ups a day. I was really decreasing my caloric intake compared to my energy expenditure. I mean, the rules of weight loss simply were not applying to me. So to find something that was so accessible, that was creating change so quickly, it was incredibly exciting. So every night I would come home from work exploring in this tissue. And within two weeks, my chronic low back pain was going away. And I thought, you know, I need to flip my patients onto their backs and see if I can get some similar results in their bodies. And I did. And it was really profound how fast the changes were. So this became the nature of my practice for the next couple of years. And then Mm -hmm. I had people saying, you know, you really need to start teaching this because what you're doing is amazing. And I started attracting other therapists. So the first time a therapist came to me and, and said, so why are you doing what you're doing? And I mean, I was just kind of going with the flow with everything. So I would say, well, you know, I'm just allowing the tissue to take my hands in the pattern that, you know, their body is in. And she's like, that's not working for me. Like you have to explain this logically. So it became a really interesting process having to create a language around what I was actually intuitively uncovering. And what I really learned over the course of time was that everything in nature follows the Fibonacci sequence, the way the the spiral Mm. pattern of everything in nature including the way the body's developed, including the way the body ages. So we age basically in a forward rotational direction. We compress, but that compression follows that same Fibonacci sequence. And I realized somewhere along the journey that that's actually what my hands were doing. They were following this pattern in the tissue and also addressing the, the front of the body more, which is not typically where as an athletic therapist, I was trained. If somebody had back pain, you work on the back. But I started really connecting the dots of what's causing what. And often those cause sites are at a distance from the pain sites, i.e. the calves. I really see the calves and the feet as being major cause sites for pretty much any issue in the body. And I'll explain that in a moment. But what was really important for me was to teach people to self-care. So I had a clinic for a number of years and I was teaching therapists in this technique. And I had attempted to teach people to use their own hands on their own bodies. But there was a lot of limiting factors to that. So it was about 10 or 11 years ago that just through a very organic process, I realized that using something very similar in density to bone could actually create a very similar release as to what my hands were doing by teaching people how to lie on the tool, how to twist into the block, Mm. block your block baby, connect to that full diaphragmatic breath so that we could actually melt through the adhesions in the fascia all the way to the root at the bone. And I have read that the fascia can adhere to bone with a force up to 2,000 pounds per square inch holding the body out of alignment. So if you think about that incredible force, it's a magnetic seal. It's, it's pretty challenging to simply say, okay, well, I'm going to make major changes in my body when we're dealing with this kind of pressure. So what I learned along the way is by tapping into that spiral pattern in nature, we can drive through those layers of fascia all the way to the bone. And the reason the the tool, when you purchased it, Karen, it was made of cedar. Now they're made of bamboo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Why? uh, Well, um, there's a a few reasons. But one of the main reasons is because in order for us to be able to scale, we needed a, 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 um, a medium that was accessible that we could scale in that way. We were making those cedar tools out of a garage. (laughs) Um, and and I didn't want to be cutting down these cedar trees because you know we were cutting down well we weren't cutting down but to get that cedar you're using very old cedar trees and bamboo grows so incredibly fast it is abundant and what is beautiful about it is just like cedar just like bone it's similar in density so bamboo does the trick and it's 
it, I'm just so thrilled with them. It, it's such a wonderful medium to use. So now all of the tools are made from bamboo. But really, it's mm. about being able to drive through those layers of the fascia to get to the root at the bone. And when we're looking at the fascia system, the fascia innervates every single cell in the body. And everything is connected to everything. So what I've mm-hmm. learned over the years mm-hmm. by looking at bodies is the way the fascia winds around the calves and affects the alignment of the feet is really what's impacting the whole body because that's where the fascia is the most frozen. So when we're breathing diaphragmatically, the diaphragm is in the core, is in the center of the body, so it's at the core, and this is the engine. It's basically what is designed to allow us to breathe properly. And if it's working properly, it's keeping the whole body properly heated. When we're breathing through the muscles of the upper chest, as most people do, it's like having a space heater in your body rather than turning on the furnace. So what is furthest from the engine becomes the most frozen and the calves and the feet are furthest obviously from that engine. So you can spend, for example, if you have migraines, you can spend tons of time working in the upper body into that area. But as soon as you start walking, you're going to get pulled into that negative pattern of fascia that is wrapped around those calves and the feet. So we really need to look at the system as a whole to be able to truly get to the root of the issues and bring realignment and space back into the cells of the body. Mm, that's fascinating. Now, I may have misunderstood, but at least, uh, you know, I'm reading your, your new book, which I'll ask you to share with us the, the name and where we can get it in a moment, um, that you feel, and maybe I'm misquoting, but you feel that the diaphragm may be the most important muscle in the body. Can you explain that? Yes, absolutely. So um, it was through Stephen Cope's book, Yoga and the Quest for the True Self, that I read that breathing t- diaphragmatically will feed the body up to six times the oxygen. And it's funny because people wow. often look at you and think, well, that doesn't make any sense because they're imagining you're bringing six times the amount of air into the lungs. But what is really the case <laughs> is at the base of the lungs is where the majority of the oxygen receptor set called alveoli re- reside. So we need to bring the air to the base of the lungs. And when we're breathing through the muscles of the upper chest, we're not pulling the air deeply enough to reach those alveoli. It is only through the diaphragmatic breath that we can bring that air in. So there's optimal absorption of oxygen, but also optimal removal of waste and carbon dioxide from the body through proper um, exhalation, which occurs as well from the diaphragm muscle. Oh, that's amazing. And I, you know, I think that in the past when I was thinking about, you know, diaphragmatic breathing and yogic belly breathing, I'm not, uh, I'm a student of yoga, but not very in-depth, mind you, um, that I always thought about the inhale, you know, about the inhale, making the belly bigger. But in your book, you talk about the importance of the exhale, which you just mentioned, as well as, um, I, I call it the anal wink, but like an anal contraction in that, which sort of is like a Kegel So can you tell us more about why that's there in the direction? Yes. Um, So actually it was, it was really fascinating. Um, I I refer to it as rooting. And when I was working with a quadriplegic years ago, he was 220 pounds and I was working to release the adhesions in his shoulders. So if you can imagine, he was lying on his back on my massage table and I was straddling him. So I was basically sitting on his thighs and I had his arms in my, hands and I was basically lifting up his upper body and holding him here. He was basically hanging, which is actually when I coined the term fluid isometrics because I realized that was what was happening as I was isometrically supporting him. The heat from the time was creating a release to the shoulder blades. So it was quite amazing because I was getting fairly tired about five to 10 minutes in. I'm, I'm pretty strong from all the body work that I've done, but after about 10 minutes, I was starting to shake. And just intuitively, I created that rooting action, um, contracting the anus. I gained about five more minutes in power to be able to sustain his body. So this started me on a process of just, you know, working in my own body and, and working with that to try to see what would happen. But I also learned that that aligns the pelvis differently so that we can access that diaphragm more fully. And as far as the exhalation phase of the breath goes, um, I often refer to it as being like cleaning out a closet. If you come home and you've got a whole new wardrobe, (laughs) you don't just shove it in your closet. Otherwise you have chaos. You have to clean out the closet first. And when we're breathing diaphragmatically with the inhale, the diaphragm moves down toward the feet with gravity. 
When we exhale, it lifts up into the body, fighting gravity. It's the harder phase of the breath. And most people, when you say, take a full breath, they mm -hmm. will take that full in breath, but they won't really connect fully to that exhalation. So we keep pulling more and more of the external world into the body without completely releasing that external world from the body. And that can be everything from energy from other people to toxins in the environment that you're breathing in to whatever it is. It is through that full conscious exhalation that we move the past out of the body to create space for the new to come into the body. That's really interesting. Um, and you're absolutely right about that, you know, that um, the exhalation piece, because honestly, I didn't really focus on it at all. <laughs> and, and, and I think I, I think, you know, reading this book and, and it's a reminder for me. Oh, yeah. You know, so just to clarify, um, are you saying that even when we're not on the block and say I'm just sitting here on my, you know, expensive Sally chair, you know, what, doing the computer, if I'm focusing on my breathing in and expanding my diaphragm, should I be breathing out so that like squeezing all the air out of my body and doing the anal link, even when I'm just sitting here, or is that only when we're practicing on the block? It's, it's a bit of a balance. We want to bring that in as a postural habit, but we don't want to have people like strongly contracting all day, but from the breathing perspective, Absolutely. I, I really do try to make that full exhalation more of the focus than the inhalation. If I'm sitting at my computer doing my work, I'm very aware of the mm. exhale for a count of six, inhale for a count of four. And I often refer to it as squeezing the belly small. Think that your core is like a sponge. And it's through that full exhale that we, we wring out the sponge, basically, or the core of all of the toxins, all of the debris that gets trapped in the fascia so that the body can eliminate it. And in 2014 in Australia, they did a study published in the medical news that the majority of weight loss comes through proper exhalation, which I was so excited to read what? because it really brought, yeah, um, we, we have that somewhere in, in a bunch of my blogs and stuff, but um, yeah, that came out in 2014. And, and I mean, I've, I've always believed that because again, when I was in my twenties and I was following the rules of weight loss, they weren't applying for me. And as soon as I started connecting to that proper diaphragmatic breath, that was when everything really started changing for me as I started releasing those adhesions in my body and connecting more deeply to that full exhalation. Wow, that is amazing. Well, and I love when there's science behind things too, Deanna. She probably yes, absolutely because <laughs> I'm a medical doctor, and you know we kind of like proof and all that. Uh, aside from our own personal testimonial, for sure. Um, yeah, because uh, uh, one of the things I noticed, uh, I was doing some training with one of my other um, joint venture partners, Isa Herrera, related to the pelvic floor and you actually helped me with pelvic floor as well because I remember getting on this call with you in Skype and here you are you know you're in your short shorts you know your denim shorts and you're like okay well you can put the block right here and you're sitting on it right and I was like you gotta be kidding me she, she doesn't even know me and she's showing me this thing like <laughs> she's sitting on this block but I gotta tell you it I was like holy crap it's frozen there you know yeah and yeah. so with Isa what I was understanding through her training which I did prior to yours um is that I when I was inhaling I was still holding the pelvic floor tight. I don't know, subconsciously. And then now when I'm inhaling, I can consciously relax the pelvic floor. So it comes out like, to, like if you're putting your hand in your pelvic, you know, your pelvic floor, it actually comes out at me like a reverse yes, angle, yes. if you will. And mm -hmm. then, and then what you're talking about is when you're exhaling, you can do that, that anal wink and, you know, uh, help to squish there <laughs> out. So I'm combining all these different understandings. Um, and I think it's fascinating just what my body was habitually doing that wasn't good for it. And, and so I think honestly. as well with, with that rooting process, I feel that when people are exercising the Kegels and only that area, you're actually repetitively contracting the muscles in the anterior part of the perineum with the rooting activity. We're mm. actually connecting more to the posterior part, which helps to align the pelvis. And you'll mm. notice um, one of the things that we often share when in any of the positions is connect to the root with the full exhalation, release with the full inhalation. And if you compare by not rooting when you exhale and then rooting when you exhale, you'll notice that you have a deeper and more fuller exhalation when you connect the root 
to that exhalation. So just uh-huh. back to that initial question of yours, though, it's not like I'm sitting rooted all day in my chair or standing, but it is something that just like the tongue muscle, we teach about proper mm. um, tongue alignment and that the tongue is also in part designed to support the weight of the head. And so we, we have a way to teach people how to position and strengthen the tongue, but it's not like 24 seven, I'm fully aware of my tongue. But what is really amazing is as I continue through this process, every time I think of my tongue, I'm like, okay, not quite in that same position, but my body reminds me more and more all the time when I'm not actually positioning myself in proper alignment. Mm, that's true. I'm so glad you mentioned the tongue as well, um, because I, I remember the, the first person I heard this from was from you. And then I then I heard it from my other colleague, Dale Walker. And then I heard it from the uh, the face yoga lady. You know, I was like, what's with this tongue thing? Right. <laughs> and uh, then I don't know, you know, when you're on YouTube and you're scrolling and I'm you know watching some health related stuff, this this other video pops up and it was about mewing. And I was like, what the heck is that? Right. It talks about this proper tongue structure and showed, especially in children, that these overbite and underbite issues completely can change. Like your whole face shape can change just by training your tongue in the right spot. And I'm like, oh, that's what Deanna was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, we have um, a 21 day head, neck and face program. And I think it was last April, we did a 21 cool. day challenge and we had people do their before and after photos. Part of it is blocking through the rib cage, the neck, the face, the scalp, the whole area, but also um, strengthening tongue, the, the, the tongue and aligning the jaw. And it was amazing the different shape of everybody's head. That was what was so impactful was not wow. only were they given a facelift, but the entire, like the, the shape of the skull changed in that period of time. It was quite profound. That is amazing. That is amazing. I totally, I totally believe it now. I mean, this, you know, I, we were taught in medical school that, hey, you become an adult. Uh, the sutures kind of get stuck and I'm not going to get stuck. I mean, that they, they just stop moving. So we think, figure, well, my face shape is what my face shape is. But then if we look at adults as they age, we think it's normal that they have jowls. We think it's normal that their neck gets wrinkly, right? And I right. noticed the side profile of me. I'm like, ooh, ooh, not, not preferring that, you know, like that little dip underneath the chin. And realizing that, wait a second, when I position my tongue ideally, which is kind of difficult at the beginning, I, that, that extra chin kind of goes away. And I always say people don't have a double chin. They have a displaced tongue. Yes. Yeah. So I have not taken that class of yours yet. I'm finding time for it. (laughs) It's so interesting to me, uh, you know, this whole natural facelift thing, right? There's, there's so many people who are so interested kind of thing. And um, yeah, the, the tongue is, is super, super important. Um, well, and not, not little, only that, yeah, go sorry, ahead. if I could just mention, not only that for the perspective of like facelifts and appearance, but what I, what I see when I look at pictures of people from a prior time until now, and then when they block and what happens is it's almost as though their head becomes more compressed. You'll often see the mm. jaw coming forward and getting almost pointier and then losing that connection to the clean, more squared jaw appearance. So that's what changes is the, the, fa- the head, actually, the, the face will become broader again as it was in a prior time. But consider, too, what happens to the brain inside the skull. When mm-hmm. the actual skull bone is compressing, whatever parts of the brain are getting compressed as well will over time be receiving less amounts of blood and oxygen flow and go through that aging process. So if we can keep the shape of the skull and support the brain with that proper tongue alignment lifelong, I believe we can really prevent a lot of aging issues that come with, with the brain as we get older. Ooh, that's really great tip there. Um, mm-hmm. Since we're talking a little bit about the head and, and, and the shape of the face and things like that, um, you've probably heard of um, this thing called size, And my husband was like, oh, my God, that looks so great, right? <laughs> so what I realized is that I had changed my diet so much because of just, you know, ascension-related spiritual changes that I actually wasn't eating as much solid food uh, as much as I was previously and therefore actually not chewing as much. I know that sounds weird to many people, but – and I thought, oh, my gosh, maybe I should practice chewing. And at first, you know, I was like, wow, this is tiring. Uh, but then I realized as I'm releasing fascia, now in this case, I'm using the fascia buster uh, while I'm doing it. Uh, but what I noticed is that uh, almost immediately I was stronger. 
you know, and just curious as to your thoughts on things like tools like the jaws or size, you know, for, you know, should we be exercising our jaws in addition to, you know, making sure our tongue's in the right place so that we can have a good structure? Absolutely. And, and part of that head, neck and face program is uh, daily exercises for the tongue and the jaw. If you actually held your tongue out for 10 full breaths, you would notice how quickly we fatigue because we really don't use this muscle properly. And um, oh, I was, I just lost what I was going to say, Karen. <laughs> About the jaws or size or about the Oh, no, sorry. It was about the chewing. Yeah, I, I remember now. Um, so part, part of what we share in that program as well is when you are chewing, just like when you're using one part of the, the body, you remember how you mentioned in the beginning when you do, uh, you're skating and you're always going in one direction, you get twisted. Mm-hmm. People tend, mm-hmm. to, tend to chew as well more on one side than the yep. other. So I always mention to people, like, really become aware of how you're chewing and bring symmetry into this action. So... Um, like anything, if we do things repetitively, over time, they continue to wind, 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 wind. And if you're always mm. chewing on one side of your face, you're really going to create an asymmetrical bite, uh, an asymmetrical jawline, as, as well as just your whole face is going to look asymmetrical because, of course, your jaw is the foundation of the face. So with the block, when we're releasing those adhesions and then we're strengthening back into proper alignment, we can really bring that symmetry in and also create a better bite so that when you are chewing, it's just more comfortable. But it, it's really about awareness because we're so dominant on one side with everything that we do. If we can bring balance and symmetry into our movements all the time, then we really create a different dynamic inside the body. So especially for professional athletes, when I, I was a provincial volleyball player and the number of times I spiked or served with my right mm-hmm. hand, I am still to this day undoing issues I created as a young person in the sports that I played because it's very one side dominant. And I always say to people, if we train the opposite side, we will get so much further along in our body and our health, as well as our ability to do whatever we're doing. And I just want to share, I was working, I'm working with this uh, six-year-old little boy named Zenon who last December picked up the crossbow and an intense little boy. He was spending <laughs> up to three hours a day pulling his right arm back and just like doing this crossbow. So by the time mm. I connected with them about three months ago, he was very twisted. And mm. basically, they wanted to put him in a brace for 18 hours a day until he was oh my fully gosh. grown, at which time they would fuse his spine. So, of course, the parents weren't very um, open to this. Um, so I get on a call with them. And when they shared what had happened, I said, OK, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to you know, get him into some blocking. But also, we're going to train the opposite side. And within seven weeks, he almost pulled himself back to being completely straight. And now oh he's amazingly aligned. Yeah, it's, it, was really, it was really profound. Um, we, we've got these photos on uh, our stream with what we share because it was just in, incredible the amount of change that he underwent. But I really believe it was because not only was he blocking, but he was also undoing what he did by training that opposite side. Right. I remember you saying in other... Um you know, interviews that, you know, you'll pick up the fork, you know, with your other non-dominant hand and brush your teeth with the non-dominant hand. And so uh, that's been really interesting. And when I do skating now, even though the non-dominant side isn't as good as the dominant side, I'm noticing that my body awareness is so much better. Um, and then when I do the non-dominant side, it, it seems like I'm, well, I, of course, my dominant side knows what it's doing. So it's kind of almost like teaching the non-dominant side how to do it. So it's much faster than the, when I first learned. Um, but in your book, which was very, like I highlighted this piece, um, you said that when you switch, you know, table tennis from your dominant side to your non-dominant and went back to your dominant side, that your dominant side was stronger. That just was like, whoa. Yeah. And it, it was, it was just so amazing in that moment because it wasn't like we were playing for a long time with that non-dominant side just to the point where it, it initially it's that awkwardness right and then you start mm-hmm. and then it's like wow and you know I always say to people like even if you practice something like vacuuming you know when you're vacuuming you're yes, always going to yes. be using your body in one way <laughs> challenge yourself to do the other side and it will be amazing how quickly a you fatigue doing it because you're just not used mm-hmm. to it. But then when you go back to that dominant side, the freedom that you have, it, it just, it really does make a difference. And it's fast. If you can try 
three minutes even on the non-dominant side of doing something and then go back to the dominant side, it just feels that much easier. It's also impacting the brain. Like those connections in the brain are also connecting differently and everything is waking up in a more balanced way. And from my perspective, it's all about making sure every single one of our cells are properly fed and clean and have the right space to do that. So the real challenge with using the dominant side repeatedly is we literally wind the body down in that because of using that one side, that asymmetry. And I think one of the most profound things that I ever saw was one of my patients who played professional tennis and her forearm on her dominant side was almost double the size as the other side. So if you can just imagine the amount of energy that has to go into that one side of the body and the, I mean, we're, we're a closed system inside. So, you know, if, if we're always sending energy to one area, there's other parts of the body that aren't receiving that same amount of energy. So we really want to bring balance into the body. So the fascia doesn't have those dark suppressive areas because that's where we get into trouble. That is where we're going to be blocking blood and oxygen flow to cells on the other side, impacting the health of those cells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, uh, um, you know, one of my patients forever ago, this is before I learned about your work, um, they were coming in for acupuncture and this young person was a cross country skier and um, was having what they would consider compartment syndrome in the tibialis anterior, so the front of the shin. And they said, well, he says, you know, what really bothers me is, is the, not the skiing. It's, you know, the, when we are in the summer, we train with this other piece of equipment, which is like roller skis. I guess they call them roller skis. Mm-hmm. And I'm so being an empath, you know, I'm imagining that what that feels like. Okay. And I'm like, I said, that is all wrong. <laughs> I, said, that, I said, can you just not do that? You know? And he's like, um, I don't think my coach is going to be too happy with me. And he says, but then he revealed, um, actually most of my, most of my um, top athletic colleagues all have had surgery for their fascia compression. Uh, he didn't use fascia wow. for, for, yeah. I said, excuse me. I said most. He goes, yeah, yeah. They've all had surgery to re- to release um, the compression syndrome. And I'm like, hello. Like if 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 you're a manufacturer of this piece of equipment, and 80% of the people using it have to have surgery, don't you think there's a problem here? Like I I got mm-hmm. on my soapbox and I was freaking out on this poor kid. Right? <laughs> and he goes, I don't want surgery. I don't want surgery. So we did, you know, we did what I knew how to do at the time, which was acupuncture and a gua sha and things like that. And he was, he did not have to have surgery. He got better. And uh, in fact, he, he did very well, you know, and he beat his colleagues who kept saying he needed surgery. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's amazing how um, the, unfortunately, like our conventional medicine, you know, just go, Oh, okay. You're using that piece of, Oh, you have this. Okay. Let's, let's do surgery. And I'm like, uh, no, like that does not make any sense at all. These are children. You know, these are young people, 13, 14, 15, you know, and we are messing up their bodies right yeah. now, you know, mm-hmm. just so they can, you know, and, and, and his colleague, interesting, that did get surgery, who was at around the same level, never went back, could never get back. Oh, and he didn't wow. have surgery and he got back and he did really well. So I was just like, phew. <laughs> you know, like, I think one of the other things that really um, gets hard for people when they're attempting a fitness regime is the fact that so much of fitness is about aggressive sport or sorry, um, yeah. high intensity and, and aggression and force. And the mm-hmm. fascia doesn't like to be forced because when we apply force into the body, it responds with an equal amount of pushback. What we really like with block therapy, what we do is we persuade. So we go through the process of melting as opposed to breaking down. And, you know, just as an example, one of the healing crises that people will have with doing block therapy is sometimes bruising. And it's very different than bruising from a force that creates a breakage. It's from the influx of oxygenated blood into an area that has been lacking flow, those starving little cells, they take all of that oxygen, leaving that blood blue until we feed more and more and more and ultimately create an open system so that we have that full flow of blood and oxygen getting to the cells as well as the removal of waste from the cells. So I'm really very much about the persuasion as opposed to force because Persuasion doesn't create injury. It's force that creates injury because when we're doing Mm. something really fast and and aggressive, we're not connecting properly to the breath. And your breath, I always say your breath is your guide. As long as you're breathing in a relaxed way, you will be feeding and healing your tissue. If you do something 
that takes that relaxed breath away, that's when you put your body in a position where injury can occur. So for example, how many people injure themselves when they lift something too heavy? And if you're trying to lift something too heavy, often people will hold their breath to try to Mm. get that extra bit of adrenaline to lift, but then your back goes out. When you connect the full exhale to those more um, challenging movements and you only do the movement if your breath allows, then you're always keeping that area that you're asking to work fed. If we're asking certain areas of the body to work, but we're starving them, then we're not giving those cells what they need. And that's when injury can occur. Right, right. That is fascinating. So I want to share with people um, where they can check in, uh, check out the block therapy program. So I have an affiliate link. So if people want to support me as well as uh, get into block therapy, there's an introductory program you can find at karencan.com forward slash block therapy, all one word. So karencan.com forward slash block therapy. And uh, Deanna, what's the name of your newest book and where can people find that? It is Unblock Your Body, How Decompressing Fascia is the Missing Link in Healing. And you can get the hard copy, the download, or the audio book, which I actually did the reading for, which was very exciting, um, on Amazon. And then you can also uh, get the book through my publisher, Grace Point Publishing. And at some point in the very near future, that book will also be in bookstores. Okay. That Mm -hmm. sounds awesome. Awesome. And, and, uh, we're going to go to questions and then we'll come back to, you know, what's in the block therapy program. So um, we do have someone with their hand up. So if you have a question for Deanna, something that's personal to you or someone you love, uh, you can call in if you're live, 818-514-1190, hit one. So we know your hand's up. Again, 818-514-1190 and hit one. And I'm going to unmute uh, by um, sharing the area code, not your full phone number, of course, but area code will have you just announce your first name and then share your question. Um, by the way, Kathy's here online here in the chat. She says, I love being a block therapist. It's an amazing community. <laughs> Hi, Kathy. So happy you're here with us. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So uh, area code 914. Hi. Hi, this is Joanne. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Joanne. been a great, very very informative show. I'm actually a speech pathologist and studied all about orofacial muscle. So mm-hmm. everything you said about the tongue made sense. Um, but it was interesting you used the word frozen. And since pretty much since shortly after the pandemic, um, I've wound up having what I'm calling a frozen shoulder. I don't know if that's really the right term. But when I raise my two arms above my head, my right arm, which is my dominant side, is about half an inch, no, three quarters to an inch lower than my left arm. I definitely have less movement, have pain. Um, I know that I was, I started doing puzzles on the, on the iPad. So, you know, I was doing all these like little small movements with my arm, and I don't know if that's what created it, but I'd love to hear how block therapy can help me release, release that. Thank you so much for your question. Um, So one of the first things that we always share for people that do experience a frozen shoulder is that the rib cage is the foundation of the shoulder joint. So when we start with block therapy, we always begin in the core and the rib cage because it's at the base of the rib cage where the diaphragm resides. And the fascia will grip and adhere to the ribs as well, locking the diaphragm and the rib cage in that negative alignment. So as we start creating a release of the fascia in that area and we start teaching you how to connect to that stronger diaphragmatic breath that in itself aligns the rib cage which will pull that shoulder into better alignment so if you're sitting there and you turn your arm inward so you're turning your thumb toward your body internally rotating it and try to lift your shoulder up there's a very limited range that you have if you turn so that the palm which is actually anatomical position is facing forward then you bring your arm into a different range And usually that in itself will create a little bit of a change for a frozen shoulder, but it really does come down to understanding the fascia system and what gets stuck where. So by the sounds of it, your left lower calf and foot will also be very much impacting this shoulder because as I was mentioning how the calves and the feet are so, so frozen, every time you take a step, even if you've worked for multiple hours, weeks, months on the shoulder area, every time you step, you're going to get pulled back into that negative fascia pattern that is existing in your lower body, pulling the rib cage forward and down, which impacts the shoulder itself. So 
um, when we look at your body, basically, it's, it's really about understanding the fascia system and, and making sure that we address those cause sites. And when we address just the area of pain, we're really only giving ourselves a temporary improvement in blood and oxygen flow. And really, it's about undoing the restrictions that are holding you in that negative pattern. So even that right hand and elbow will be involved. So we have a 21-day shoulder, arm, and hand program specific, starting in the rib cage, upper back through the shoulders, all the way down the elbows and into the hand to create that fuller release for that specific area. But I always tell people after we've gone through our starter program, which basically teaches you how to use the block safely throughout your whole body, first engaging the diaphragm, then I always recommend to people to go into that pelvis, legs and feet program that we have in our membership, because that's where we really start making those significant changes to the foundation so that we can undo and support all the cells all the way up the chain. So would I be able to just start with the shoulder, arm, and calf, or do I have to take the foundational one first? Uh, well, we have a starter program, and in the starter program, there's nine videos that you keep for life, and simply even just cycling through those nine videos will make a very, very big change to your shoulder issue itself. And then we have a two-week free trial to access our membership, which has a number of 21-day programs that get more involved, more advanced movements, more specific with the foundation building. But um, following through in the order that we do it is probably the most effective way for you to release that shoulder pain. And the, the shoulder area would be the third class. We always start core rib cage, pelvis, legs, and feet, um, shoulder, arms, and hands for for the body in general, because again, we want to get people first understanding how to breathe. Then we want to support the foundation and then we want to get to that upper body. And then we cycle through that series so that we continue to allow those cells to move throughout the whole body. Just working on one area alone is never going to give you that long-term result. Mm, great advice. Okay. Thank fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great question. And, and that comes to, that's a really good point, Deanna, that you've made um, about, you know, starting from that foundation onwards. I noticed for me, like at the beginning when I was first doing the belly part, like, you know, I was doing the belly and then the ribs and then the, you know, the, the pubic bone, which I thought was really weird at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'm restricted there. How interesting, you know, um, is that uh, I had back tension, not even I didn't even know I had back tension, really, until I went to the massage therapist, and I'm like, are you on back tension? But anyway, so I released the belly, and then I think by the second or third time, my back tension that I was feeling with the block in the front was gone. Now, today, because, of course, I'm inspired to, you know, that halfway through your other book and everything like that, I was like, you know, Karen, you love what you love, which means, like, I love blocking my ribs, you know, but I got to be honest, Deanna, I just blocked the front side of me. <laughs> I haven't been very even... So, cause I've been so busy and, you know, so I just did what I already knew. And so today I decided, you know what, Karen, you've been, you've blocked your belly so much and your rib cage and the sides and the front. And now you're kind of comfortable with that. Why don't you try an area that's not as comfortable? So I thought, okay. So I decided I was going to block my spine. Now people do not start with that. Okay. Do not start with that. Okay. But I thought, okay, I'm going to try it. So I blocked and I was uncomfortable um, and breathing and, you know, the whole bit. And I was working up my way to spine like three to five minutes each position I got to tell you when I got up this morning I felt taller oh, like nice. I felt like um because you talked about in your book about the compression that's ha with gravity but compression about people doing heavy weights which I have started doing with CrossFit some some days are heavy weights and to test myself to see how strong I am and I'm getting stronger but I realized wait a second I'm compressing myself with gravity, I'm uh, not really working on decompressing my spine, Karen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I know no, you're probably going, ooh, ooh, don't do that. But, <laughs> well, and, you know, but I did feel so much more freedom in my breath in the posterior rib, which I didn't even notice was a problem. Yeah. yeah. I had no pain. And, and we have to understand that we age in a forward rotational direction. So we basically compress in the front the body gets pulled forward and down and it causes the muscles in the upper back to be under tension and the body wants to be in balance. So mm -hmm. if we have one area of the body that's collapsing, the equal and opposite side is going to be fighting going, wait a minute, I don't want to be tipping over. And that's why 
things like cellulite happen, for example. Yep. When we aren't balanced and aligned, the fascia is here to protect and support us. And it's protecting us by saying, wait a minute, if you're not standing with equal weight on both feet and you don't have balance in your body, if you continue to go in that direction, eventually you're going to tip over. So the fascia will wind and grip onto the bone to create that stability. And as energy moves in waves and spirals, it winds, literally. So it creates those dimples to create that stability. But more importantly, those grips are going to block blood and oxygen flow to cells on the other side as well. So it really creates this visual demonstration of how the fascia is here to support and protect us. People look at it as cellulite and think, oh, I don't like the appearance of it, but there's so much more going on than just that. So when we're working with the block and we're driving through those layers all the way to the bone, we are allowing that area to release but that's only one part of block therapy. There's three parts. There's the releasing the adhesion through the line on the block and the work. There's inflating the space that we've now opened with proper diaphragmatic breathing. And then the third part, which is probably the most challenging to integrate, is that postural awareness. We want to bring balance and symmetry into our body all the time. It's what we do all the time that adds up, that causes us to age the way that we do. So if you are sitting collapsed in front of your computer up to eight hours a day, that is going to be the reason that the rib cage falls into the core, pushing the stomach organ or stopping the liver from being heated enough to allow it to do its job properly. So everything becomes so impacted when we aren't in proper alignment. So that's why through our programs, we have all three components. We have teaching you how to block, teaching you how to breathe, as well as bringing in that foundation building to support proper alignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very important. Our everyday habits, like people can spend tons and tons of money on, you know, supplements, treatments, uh, massage therapy, uh, I mean, all that kind of, or, or, or the gym or whatever, but um, it's those little tiny habits that we have every day that accumulate over time. And um, so if people are looking down at their cell phone all day long, I mean, unless you're reversing that consciously, um, unfortunately, you know, some of the money can be wasted trying to go to the massage therapist and get your shoulders worked out or whatever. Well, and that's where that working out really aggressively can be really negative for the body as well, because when you're doing continual repetitive contractions, concentric contractions, like if you're wanting to, you know, build a bicep muscle and you just keep lifting a weight over and over again, you're actually gaining girth by shortening the muscle. And the concept of yoga, Pilates, block is to lengthen and strengthen. When we lengthen and strengthen, we keep everything aligned and we integrate as many cells into the equation for use. And then through proper breathing, it's oxygen that feeds the ATP in the cells. So if we have a really strong breath, which is getting back to your initial question, why is the diaphragm the most important muscle to strengthen? It's what's going to oxygenate us. We die in five minutes if we're Um, if we lack oxygen to the brain and our cells respond the same way, if they aren't properly fed, they aren't going to survive and be able to function at the same capacity as if they continually are fed properly with oxygen. So when we can understand we feed the body six times the oxygen through connecting to the diaphragmatic breath, that is truly a game changer for how we view everything in the body. We're literally, I shouldn't say literally, we are a different animal physiologically when we breathe diaphragmatically, and again, going back to that book from Stephen Cope, Yoga and the Quest for the True Self, he has quite a nice chunk of information in one of his chapters about the difference between the conscious diaphragmatic breather and the upper chest breather, everything from how the brain pattern works to the physiology of the body to the physical movements. I mean, it, it, it's just so impactful to connect to this, this muscle and what it does for us long term. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's amazing. And uh, we do have somebody here with a question. And then uh, before we do that, I just want to let people know um, if you are interested in the introductory program, which I highly recommend, you can get that from my affiliate link at karencan.com forward slash block therapy. And like Deanna said, you'll have two weeks worth in the block therapy membership. You can dive into some of the other in more in-depth classes, but it's really important that you start from the foundation and do things kind of in order uh, for it to have maximum benefit. Um, and then you can get Deanna's book um, from you know Amazon currently, Kindle, audio, as well as the hard copy. Um, so the person I'm going to unmute it's area code nine seven zero. So nine seven zero. Hi, Hello, who's Karen. this? Hi, Karen. This is Jody. Hi, Jody. Hey, Jody. 
Hi. I have a um, I have a prolapsed uh, pelvic floor. I'm working with a Pilates and pelvic floor um, therapist and a massage therapist, et cetera. The pain I have is in my back on the left side. I'm left dominant. And um, when I go to find the muscle that's fired up, I, it, it's underneath a big muscle, and it's a strand that goes oh, probably about 8 or 10 inches down the length of my spine, but it's, it's off to the, rib, the shoulder blade side. When I take a deep breath, when I'm in that, when I fired up that, I always thought it was fascia tissue. When I fired up that muscle strand, or the, um, I can't take a full breath, and it wow. hurts more. Yeah, so, so those adhesions. Yeah, so, it's all connected. <laughs> it sure is. Those adhesions are are really blocking the ability for those ribs to expand in order to access that full breath. And from the sounds of it, it's going to be your right calf and foot that are going to be, I, I always refer to them as flat tires because I, I do so much assessments mm. on the body. I see, I see photos and basically we're going to tip, we're, we're, we age in a forward rotational direction and we're going to tip one way or the other. And if you look at the body, if you have a bunion, that will be the flat tire. If you pronate more on that foot, that will be the flat tire. So one of the two sides of your body is going to act like that flat tire and then everything else is going to get pulled into that system. So when you have pain more on the left side, that right side is going to be the real driver of what's happening. If you even think about if somebody were to grab your arm and tug on the arm, if eventually your shoulder is going to get tired. And if you went to have a treatment on your shoulder and you didn't release the tension in the arm, you'll again, it might feel good for the moment, but you're not really going to have that full release. If you release the hand, then the tension stops and then the pain in the shoulder stops. So when we're looking at the body, we have to really look at what's gripping and pulling and tugging the rest of the body into that system. So just from listening to what you're saying, um, I'm, I'm assuming that that right leg of yours is really the issue impacting what's going on in that pelvic floor and up the chain. I would have to agree with that. The, the, left, the right foot uh, pronates out about um, two inches off of the 90-degree angle from the ankle. And wow. I'm working, working on bringing it back in. Um, we've adjusted my pelvis. So all of a sudden when um, I was being worked on I, and I was standing up being adjusted, my right foot actually felt like it was touching the earth again. Oh, nice. Wonderful. Wow. But the That's pain amazing. is still with me and it's about maybe 30% reduced, but it's still there every day. And um, so I, I guess I'm the... I've been to many people and we're trying to figure this out. And uh, Karen, I'm working on it in your program um, by myself right now. And it's, it's not, doesn't seem to be spiritually that I can correct it or energetically. There's something mechanical. I was told I, I have a fractured rib that hasn't healed on the right side, mm. left side. And Jody, if you wanted to send me some photos of you standing, I could, I could see exactly where your cause sites are and what you would need to release. Um, but again, it, it is really going to come down still from that lower system and to be able to release those adhesions from the shin bone and to be able to release, I mean, we've got 26 bones in the feet. So the way the feet have to adapt over our lifetime from that incorrect alignment, it's, it's all impacting everything. And that 21-day pelvis, legs, and feet program that I have in that membership sounds like it would be the one that would really help you bring that balance to your foundation so that everything up the chain can move back into better alignment as well and take that inner tension out of you, which will also assist with that prolapse because that leg getting pulled is also pulling and torquing and taking away space in the pelvis. So that's pushing everything down and out. Once we release that and we start bringing that foundation into alignment and create that proper pelvic alignment through that rooting action, we start to lift those organs back up into their proper place. Boy, this mm-hmm. makes so much sense, Anna. Oh, my goodness. Thank you uh, so much. <laughs> you're welcome, Jody. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, that's great, Jody. Thank you for your question. And, Jody, I was just going to mention, I just muted you here, but I was just going to mention that um, there is actually, if you're in the Level 1 training program, the Topican Healing Level 1 training program, in the Light Warrior Revolution membership, which is our monthly classes, I did a whole class on fascia. And the thing is that, yeah, I mean, obviously, sometimes you really, we're in a 3D world, you know, like sometimes you really need to release it in the 3D manner. But the really cool thing 
is that you can ask specific questions about certain areas of the fascia in your body. And what's really fascinating, Deanna, is when I, you know, well, when I go, okay, well, where, where are the fascial restrictions, the next, you know, most important thing for me to release, whatever. It's very fascinating that a lot of times it was in my lower body, hmm. not, not wow. related to the belly sticking out or whatever, like, you know, <laughs> Well, and there's no question that um, mind, yeah, body, spirit are all connected through the fascia as the fascia. Um, I mean, it's really the container to uh, have consciousness travel through us. And um, what, what is really amazing about this from that conversation as well is the more cells that we can communicate with directly, the more connected we are to spirit. And where there's mm-hmm. compression and scar tissue, that is blocking blood and oxygen flow from reaching those cells, which blocks the information to being sent to the brain. So we have all these dead spots essentially in our body and we want to open everything so that there is a full flowing channel of everything going through our body at all times. So we can really view each moment as a unique moment and we can discern what to do best in that moment where when we have all these blockages in the body, we often resort to memory and memory is a past and that's where fear lives. And often we get caught up in repeating the same mistakes over and over again because we're getting triggered in a very similar way. But once we start releasing these adhesions and connecting to those cells that are deeper than what we are currently consciously aware, we start to listen to what those cells are saying. We start to connect to our higher self more specifically, and we start to become more intuitive with what we're supposed to be doing in this life. Yes, absolutely. And and I love how, you know, your story, you talk about this in the books as well, um, that that anxiety that you mentioned earlier, um, that intense anxiety basically literally melted away as you were melting the fascial <laughs> adhesions. And so some of my young people who are highly sensitive souls, um, you know, have had some traumatic uh, things happen to them, you know, growing up and and, you know, feeling kind of lost and isolated. And I was like, oh my God, you need to line this block. You know? <laughs> it's the simplest thing you can do. Just breathe and line this block, you know, um, because uh, they don't realize that, wow, uh, yeah, maybe my intestinal issues are related to my anxiety, which is related to fascial adhesions and the trauma and whatever. So they're, they're looking at the physical point of view of eating better and that's, that's good, but at the same time, really encouraging them to use these other tools And for me, with with, uh, my anxiety, I used to actually say that, you know, I suffered from anxiety and I, I, I did. Now the way that I see it is if I'm feeling anxiety, I'm aware that my cells are anxious because I'm asking Mm. them to perform yet. I'm not giving them what they need to perform. It's like, you know, yet we have to look at ourselves like our children, you know, and I love the video, the life of a cell by David Belinsky, because it really shows how in each and every single one of our trillions of cells, there's an entire universe of activity happening and you Mm -hmm. just fall in love with yourselves when you watch this video and to think that we don't even think about them yet we expect our bodies to on demand do whatever we want them to do yet we don't really give them the the nutrition the rest the hydration the love and the attention that they deserve so when I feel anxiety I'm very aware that oh I'm not looking after my cells properly and that's why I'm anxious my cells are anxious so it's really just a reflection of what's going on inside which if you can if you can separate it from being I have anxiety then we can look at the symptom very differently and and here's a very direct road to get out of that uh, negative sensation Mm, that's brilliant and last but not least I know we're a little over time now but um People want to know about um, how is block therapy going to potentially support their immune systems in this whole, you know, pandemic space? Oh, what a wonderful question. Thank you. Um, Again, I really believe it comes through keeping the body clean and fed. So through that detoxification process of that full conscious exhalation, moving the waste out of the body most efficiently, keeping all of the organs properly fed and clean, that's really what we need to do for our immune health is we, we need to be, we need ourselves to be fed and clean. And as long as they are, our immune systems are powerful. They are powerful beyond belief if we give the fascia system what it requires. And really that comes down to the oxygenation of the body and the cleaning system of the body, which if we aren't connected to that full breath, we simply continue to accumulate more waste and we become more toxic. And then we attract more negative things to happen to us, diseases, viruses, bacteria, all of those things, they exist in us when we don't have a clean system. If our system is clean, we are stronger than what is out there. So 
by understanding that we, we gain this trust in our body and by connecting very strongly to the breath, that's how we can overcome things. Once COVID hit as a gift to anybody that purchases our starter program, we also added the two hour virtual intensive for breast and lung health to really, really dive in deeply into the rib cage to support the lungs, to support the breath, and just to keep everything nice and properly fed and clean. So anybody that purchases the starter program also is gifted that two-hour uh, program to keep for life. Woohoo! That is awesome. That is great. Um, so folks listening in, uh, if you're interested in taking a look at that introductory program, you can go to my affiliate link at karencan.com forward slash block therapy. And that's all one word. And then Deanna's book is uh, currently on actually a couple books uh, on Amazon and you can check it out on Kindle hardcover or audiobook. Um, and uh, Deanna, it's been such a pleasure again to have you on the show. Thank you so much for what you and Quinn have been doing and sharing and teaching and just, yeah, I'm just so, so, so grateful for your work. Oh, thank you, Karen. And if I may just add, if anybody would love to join our Facebook community, Block Therapy Community, it's free. And currently there are over 400 members, um, my teachers, as well as other people that block. So when you ask questions or you share, you have the whole community really um, there to support and guide you. So it's not just me saying, this is what's going to happen. It's people that have experienced it for themselves mm. that know the, the real deal within their own bodies and can support and assist you as well. Okay. And what's the name of that group, Deanna? Block Therapy Community. Okay. Block Therapy Community yeah. on Facebook. Fantastic. And, and Karen, I, I, believe you, sorry, um, I believe you also have an affiliate link for that, if you would like to share that so people can come in through your link. To the, the Facebook group? The Facebook community, yes. Oh, I have no idea what that is, but I think Tasha probably does. <laughs> yeah, we can help you with that. <laughs> okay, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening in and for being part of this. Thanks for our viewers that uh, and listeners who had questions. Um, Deanna, I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you so much, Karen. That was wonderful. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Take care. You too. Bye, everyone.